Good morning, and peace be with you. This is uh, normally would have been done by Randy this morning, but I got a text from him. He wasn't feeling great, so uh, please uh, lift Randy up in your prayers for whatever he has needful, and as he, you know, battles uh, cancer. So, uh, I'm doing the announcements. So here's the announcements. Are you ready? Okay. So as you know, or may not know, or if you read the first item on our bulletin, uh, this month we are going to be uh, partnering with our sister church, uh, Victory Outreach, and they do a trunk or, trunk or treat type of a thing, a little harvest uh, festival. And so we will be dono donating towards food and candy and games for the uh, community of Victory Outreach, which also reaches outside of this church campus, of course. So that's what we will be doing. Sit and be fit, as always, on Tuesdays at 10. Uh, there's the Bible studies that we are uh, in Esther right now. We finished Ruth, and so those are also uh, on Tuesday. Um, and then we do a Zoom uh, Bible study on Tuesday evenings. Men's study on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Mark your calendars that uh, Nick Del Palacio will be playing uh, for us on the 30th uh, and also on November 20th and also on Christmas morning. And then we have uh, Diane Zinn will be playing for us on the following Sundays, which are November 6th, the 27th of November, and December 4th and 18th. So um, we're grateful to have them uh, come and play for us. We have uh, homebound members. I know, I'm sure you're aware of that. And um, as the holidays approach or any time, you know, we should never underestimate the power of a handwritten note. And so we invite you to uh, write to these people or contact them in some way. There is um, out there on the Narthex table uh, a list of names and addresses. So uh, we'd appreciate that. And then mark your calendars because Reformation Day is just around the corner. We will be celebrating that on October the 30th. So make sure you wear your blue. Oh, red. Okay, just seeing just seeing. Okay. And uh, then All Saints Day comes the following Sunday. And so if you have a family member or somebody that um, should be included in that list, won't you please let Ashley know. And then finally, this week's flowers are given by Susan to honor all of the October babies. So uh, thank you, Susan. And, and uh, I'm not supposed to say let's go, Tim, but let's go, Tim.
stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God, and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain 
has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, almighty and everlasting God, you have commanded us to pray and have promised to hear us. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may direct and govern our hearts in all things, that we may preserve with steadfast faith in the confession of your name, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. So let's read it. This is from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 through 30, and it can be found on page 53 in your pew Bible. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The second reading is Psalm 121. It's printed in your bulletin. We'll read it responsibly. This is a confession of trust in the Lord, and the author is unknown. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. And this can be found on page 1855 in the Pew Bible. 
Now, Paul is dying. He's in chains in Rome, and his life is coming to an end. And he wrote a letter to his disciple, Timothy, asking him and reminding him to keep true to the faith and spread the gospel of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with the 14th verse. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The gospel according to St. Luke from the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and can be found on page 1628 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town, who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. 
And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who carry out to him day, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, as usual, uh, today's gospel comes in a, in a larger context. It's, once again, we are reminded that while chapter and verse numbers are useful aids for finding places in the Bible, they are not inspired. They are not inspired numbers. And they often create a artificial boundary in the text that was never meant to be there. So, in the original, it, would, it, it flows and, and makes more sense to the hearers, or what the hearers would have heard when Jesus spoke these words. What we know is that Jesus has been talking about the end of time. And he has also been talking about the persecution that the church will endure before the end times come. And at times, that persecution will be so severe that God's remnant will eagerly desire the end of time to come quickly, to get it over with. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, just before this, he said, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Jesus encouraged the disciples not to lose heart in the midst of persecution. For when the time is right, the Son of Man will come to judge both the living and the dead. And this is where today's gospel begins. In light of the fact that the church will be persecuted in this world, Jesus told a parable to the effect that they ought always pray and not lose heart. Jesus instructs his church to pray while the church is here on earth. The judge in the parable was not worthy of his position. We know that because Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. What a great judge. And this judge was interested in his own comfort. He didn't really care about the cases that came before him. He wasn't interested in law, and he was not interested in God. But instead, 
well, he wasn't even interested in the opinion of people. He just was interested in his own, own convenience. How would you like to come before a judge like that in today's world? Maybe we do. Unfortunately, the widow in today's parable had no choice but to, become, to come in front of this man because we know that widows in biblical times, they had no power or economic clout. They were among the weakest, the most vulnerable members of society. And for this reason, Old Testament law stipulated that, worshiping, that the worshiping community would care for them, the widows. Moses said, Cursed be anyone, anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You find that in Deuteronomy 27. Jesus did not give the details of the woman's case. The details of her case are not relevant to the point of the parable. What we do know is that this woman went to someone who should have helped her in her quest for justice. And the judge saw absolutely no gain in helping the woman, so he decided to ignore her. We read that for a while he refused, that he hoped that she would just give up and go away. But she didn't. In fact, every morning she entered his court where there she was making her petition to him every day. And eventually he got sick and tired, sick and tired of seeing her. And after a while he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming here. And ultimately, the widow wore the judge out. He did not hear her case because it was the right thing to do, but because he was sick and tired of seeing her in his court every day. He simply wanted to get rid of her. Now, this parable is a parable of contrasts. Jesus contrasts the unrighteous judge with God, who is righteous and holy. He said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And then in verse 7, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice. He'll give it to them speedily. Now with these words, Jesus taught his disciples that if an unrighteous judge will give justice just to get a nagging widow off his back, how much more will God, the God of love and mercy, ultimately bring justice to his people. The judge did not want to hear from the widow. God wants to hear from you. The contrast between God and the unrighteous judge is not the only contrast in the parable. There's more. 
There's also the contrast between us and the widow. Although Jesus did not tell us, again, what the details of the justice, or rather the widow's case was, we do know that it was a good case. On the other hand, our case, were we to bring our case to God, it would be the exact opposite. We don't have a good case. In fact, if we ever came before the court of the holy and almighty God, he would immediately find us guilty, and he would sentence us to nothing but punishment here in time and forever in eternity. The widow had good reason to ask the court to act. Well, we have good reason to ask the court not to act. We, by nature, have no rights, none at all, in God's court. But God loves us so much that he worked out a plan to give us those rights. You see, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world in order to redeem the world. Jesus Christ, well, he endured the punishment of the guilt, that guilty verdict that we deserve. And he opened God's court to all when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then although we have no rights in God's court, he gives us rights for the sake of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. We receive those rights when the Holy Spirit works faith in us. The judge, who neither feared God nor cared about his fellow man, finally did the right thing just to get the widow off of his back. How much more will God, who sacrificed his only begotten son, do what is best for us? So when it comes to God, we're assured that God listens and will surely grant us grace, all who cry out to him. In this parable, Jesus teaches us to pray continually and to to never lose heart because his promises is that he will grant vindication and justice for his chosen ones and will do so quickly. However, the vindication and the justice that he grants is not what we deserve. He does not bring about justice dictated by the law. No, he brings justice dictated by his love, dictated by his grace. Jesus shows us that God's justice is not rightly understood until you first understand God's suffering love. That was a suffering love that has as its aim to make the sinner whole and the ungodly just. And this suffering love is even for people like the unjust judge. This suffering love is for people just like you and me. Luther when he teaches about prayer in his small catechism, 
says that we are to be confident when we pray and that we ask him as dear children ask their dear father. We are God's children for the sake of the innocent suffering and death of our Savior Jesus Christ. That is that God deeply longs for us to approach him, describing to him the needs of our lives and the longings of our hearts. Do we do it once? Do we do it twice? No. We pray continually. We never, ever give up. The most profound prayer that we have is the prayer that Jesus himself gave to us. And in a few minutes, we will join together in that prayer. And shortly after that, God will answer that prayer in a very special way. What better way is there for God's kingdom to come on this earth than when it comes in the true blood and the true body of our Savior, Jesus Christ? It is then with that body and blood that we receive forgiveness of our trespasses. For Jesus himself said this, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And all this comes to us when our daily bread comes together with God's word according to his command. And is it any wonder that we pray the Lord's Prayer shortly before we receive this very special answer to his prayer? We are children of God for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And as such, we already have God's kingdom among us. However, we are not fully aware of this kingdom. And Paul wrote this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's 1 Corinthians 13. So we pray continuously. We pray especially for the end of time when we, will we, when we will see Jesus face to face. We pray for the final day of judgment. And after Jesus finished telling the parable, he asked, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he, found, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith that is persistent and loyal? And the answer that is implied in the question is yes. Yes, he will. He will find people like those mentioned throughout the Bible who prayed without ceasing. He will find faith in people like the tax collector who humbled himself and he beat his Breath, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He will find faith in people who, like the little children, look to Christ and they trust in him implicitly. 
He will find faith in people like the blind beggar who cried out to Christ for healing and mercy. He will find faith in people just like you, just like me. For we too are a people who stand before God imploring Christ for mercy and leaning on him for everlasting hope. So, we pray not to lose heart. Yes. Can we pray and not give up? Absolutely. For we know to whom we belong. That is, Jesus Christ shed his blood in order to ransom you from sin. You belong to him. You are part of his family. He has won eternal life for you. And part of the eternal life is the right, the right to open your heart up to God the Father. And Peter wrote this, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He does care for you. And unlike the judge in today's parable, God wants to hear from you. You are his beloved child. So pray continually and do not lose heart. In the name of Jesus, amen.
remember me when the children leave their Sunday school with smiles. Remember me when they're old enough to teach, old enough to preach, old enough to leave. And edge to edge and heart to heart, bound by grace and peace. Child of wonder, child of God, I remember you. Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty God, the righteous call to you day and night, and you answer them speedily. Grant us faith to rest securely in your mercy and justice as we await the coming of the Son of Man. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, Timothy was charged to preach the word in season and out. Grant us faithful pastors who will answer your call and be faithful voices, speaking your word to those who have not heard it, to those lost in error, to those who have fallen away, and to those who are weary. Bless all those in full-time service to your church and raise up many who will serve the generations to come. 
Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you have caused the sacred writings of your word to be proclaimed through all generations. Encourage and strengthen parents to teach your word to their children that your people may be trained in righteousness and equipped for every good work. Lord, in your mercy, judge of all, grant justice according to your word to those who suffer wrong. Give wisdom and understanding to the leaders of all nations, especially our own, that they may punish evil and reward good, fearing God and respecting man. Lord, in your mercy, merciful Father, because you neither slumber nor sleep, deliver us from evil. Especially we beg you to keep the lives of those who face sickness, injuries, and troubles, those on our hearts and those named out loud right now. Lord, in your mercy, Lord God, you behold our going in and our coming out, both now and forevermore. Grant us repentant hearts as we approach your altar this day, that confident in your protection and grace, that we may receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for our good. May this pledge of your salvation preserve our life, keep us from all evil, and guard us in all our ways. Lord, in your mercy, and gracious Lord, you desire us to come to you in prayer and to not lose heart in the midst of suffering. As we struggle with many afflictions in this veil of tears, strengthen us by the suffering and cross of your Son. Have mercy on us when our spirits fail and we are overwhelmed by despair. Renew our faith by the proclamation of the gospel to cry to you in hope day and night. You are our keeper. Guard us when death draws near and grant that we should be found faithful on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Now, let's pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. He longs to hear from you. He loves his kids. So we should be calling out to him day and night, praying without ceasing. We just asked him to provide us with our daily bread. He's providing us with the best bread that, that can be the body and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin that rescues you and me, all who believe from sin, death, and the devil. Now, if that is what you uh, confess, and I heard you, then come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
Call your dad. Amen? Call your dad. He wants to hear from you. Amen? Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jersey.